tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Mexico UFO, Slain Sammy, and Missing Rainy. I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. This is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. So, Crystal, did you think of anything to talk about at the opening of this episode? Uh, yeah, I did. I was thinking about um, the ongoing writer's strike. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that, and I was wondering if that has even registered as news for the, for, uh, the civilians out there. I, uh, I want to, the, I have to admit, I think I've, I mean, I've heard it mentioned, but this has only been in the context of listening to like other podcasts that are being made by people right (laughs) either in or adjacent to, to that business. So, yeah, well, that's most people who have podcasts, Mm -hmm. right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like move to LA, get a podcast. That's how it works. Um, yeah, I was just I was wondering. I, it's been covered quite a bit uh, on our local um, NPR station here in LA, but only because it affects a massive amount of people <laughs> who live here. So, um, so yeah, that's ongoing. Hopefully, that doesn't date the episode too much. But um, you know, we're all we're all in this together. Is the general sentiment down here and. Um, you know, I hope the I hope the writers get everything that they're asking for, um, because this isn't really about this isn't really about writers. It's really about labor, and uh, I think there's a little bit more visibility um, because shows shut down when there aren't people to write them. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, so there's that. Uh, I was thinking. Also, have you seen any good movies lately? Well, I mean, I went to see Evil Dead Rise. Is that new? Is that out? Well, it, it came. What is that? This was this was about three, four, four week, four or five weeks ago. I went to see it in the theater. Uh-huh. I think I think it's available uh-huh. on streaming now. So I didn't. I wasn't aware. Is this a, a Sam Raimi production or is he is someone else doing it? Now? Yeah. Well, I mean, Raimi and Bruce Campbell and Co. are the producers. Uh, okay. So you know they're they're getting their paycheck without actually having to do any work. Uh, good mm-hmm. for them. Um, but yeah, it's it. I guess it's, I guess it's a sequel to the Evil Dead remake that came out like ten years ago. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing either. It, it was a thing. Um, hmm. I was I was very intrigued because uh, a I have a coworker who was uh, planning on seeing it because he and it's interesting because he has uh, I think particularly with these because he hasn't seen the original Evil Dead films. Uh, He's only seen these new ones. Um, uh, And he has a (laughs) that's that's weird. (laughs) Well, he's like he's like 23. So sure. Yeah. I'm just wondering where what captured his interest if not the original films well he, you know yeah yeah and i i was actually similarly intrigued and what it is for him is that these new evil dead films i mean there is a lot of that splatter gore that you would be expecting but for him mm-hmm. the, the appeal for him is like he likes movies about possession and mm-hmm. these new ones Whereas the original Evil Dead films, someone getting possessed is just an excuse to then subsequently have someone get chopped up with a, you know, chainsaw. Uh, these mm. these new ones, the 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 possession, there's a lot more emotional angst and weight on it. Um, mm-hmm. So like in the in the remake they did a decade ago, you have this sort of like subplot because like. Uh, the first girl gets possessed like one of the guys who's there is not her boyfriend but rather her brother and there's Mm -hmm. and so you know he has a lot of angst about that it it was it was actually had had some effective moments before it and then in this new film as well i 
I get why my coworker, uh, it was is so enamored with it because, like, I suppose, you know, from a the perspective of someone who likes possession films, the original Evil Dead films kind of don't really do much with that angle. These ones mm-hmm. do, and I was super mm-hmm. intrigued because my coworker told me that Evil Dead Rise had a ninety three percent score from rotten tomatoes and i Mm. i assumed he was talking about the audience score but no it's the critic score yeah interesting right i was like 90 that's kind of the sweet yeah that's kind of the sweet spot too because anything higher than that from critics is sus (laughs) they've (laughs) a little too yeah like they're they're Yeah. yeah i i hear exactly what you're saying yeah, but the like the 80, 80 to like ninety three percent is genuine. Range, uh, yeah, so yeah, so I I had to go see it because I was like an Evil Dead mm-hmm. film with a ninety three percent critic score. Yeah, wow, okay, wow. wow, yeah, and, and yeah, I, I get I get why why I mean because there, there's a lot more going on to it than just the usual splatter gore that you you come to expect yeah. from those films, uh, and then other than that, like. As as I'm sure I've mentioned numerous times, I don't really like to go outside, so much less to the mm-hmm. theaters. But I right. I am eagerly anticipating um, two films later this year. Uh, uh-huh. uh, the uh, the uh, the second part of Dune, of course. The spice must flow. Is yeah, going, of course. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Ridley Scott's movie about napoleon starring joaquin phoenix excellent choices Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. last night we watched the dungeons and dragons movie (laughs) did you bring your multi-sided dice (laughs) yeah so but here's the thing um dave my husband uh for for people who don't know who dave is (laughs) but uh we we've never been engaged in a game of dungeons and dragons i think we both would very much like to try if anyone ever invited us Mm -hmm. we would go um but we've so we're going in just as like this was like a fun fantasy film yeah whatever and um uh it the thing is there were it was a fun fantasy film and it was interesting that you were mentioning Sam Raimi pictures because there were Raimi-esque moments that I just wish they had taken a little bit farther. Okay. Like I didn't I didn't need I didn't need Sam Raimi to direct the film, but I needed the directors to have called him. <laughs> like, hey, we're we're thinking of doing this. How do we push it? A little harder oh and so okay. i think there was because they were doing a lot of interesting stuff with i mean some of it made me sick but interesting stuff with camera work and point of view oh. and you know very like raimi-esque type things yeah and uh, i just wish i wish they had just spoken with him as a consultant if they could have because i think it just needed to go a little bit farther um but i also realized maybe they weren't there were so, there was some horrifying imagery, but I don't think they were leaning too much into the horror fantasy element of it. Yeah. But I I kind of wish it was like a little bit more Army of Darkness. Oh, inter- but interesting. Okay, okay. My review is, um, there was also a lot of like MacGuffins. Like we got to get this to get this to get this to get this, and I was like, is that is that part of Dungeons and Dragons? So I thought I would ask you. I, like you have to get the helm of this to get the thing, the staff of this, and you know. Well, is that a feature of of playing D anD D? It doesn't necessarily have to be, but it is certainly not at all surprising if it happens. Because uh, bear in mind that uh, in order to play Dungeons and Dragons or any type of game using that tabletop RPG format. Uh, there is one individual who is having to um, put together everything for the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that's why getting stuck with that job. And, and that's that's often the reason why a Dungeons and Dragons campaign may not get off the ground because no one wants to do it because right. it was it, it would essentially be like uh, having an extra homework assignment during right. college it's like mm. yeah um so it it just it depends on who you got 
putting the work into it and you know are they are they able to put together something fun and original or is it just like okay i gotta i'll have them look for a thing so they can find the thing so they can find a thing now there they'll stretch out uh, quite a few hours <laughs> yeah yeah uh it, it, yeah there was a li- there was a lot of that you know um and there wasn't a lot of explanation and that's fine i don't need it yeah um but I, I'm I'm certain that there were elements. If you were a avid player of the latest edition of D and D, you would have caught things that completely went over my head. Oh, so, I, I'm sure. Sh- um, yeah, I'm sure there's tons of of references and, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, there was there was a situation where one of the characters was explaining how to like go over this bridge, and there were like all these rules about going over the bridge, and I felt like it was a it was a like an inside joke about having a shitty dm <laughs> because he was just going on and on and on with the rules and then like the, to the point where like people were like the characters in the film were just rolling their eyes and i'm like oh i i at least understand what this is you know um yeah but but yeah i i don't know that i'd recommend it but uh i watched it i didn't hate it it exists you know? <laughs> it exists but you know i'm 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 gonna say um, yeah, if you're if you're looking for a better film in that genre, maybe like watch Lord of the Rings and then Army of Darkness, and then oh. that that combination that would that be would be a neat double probably header. more yes. satisfying, <laughs> <laughs> more satisfying I think as far as fantasy films. The the um, and it you know, it's actually I think you hit upon a very uh, the best description like. The best D&D campaign will mm. feel like someone was basically just like smashing up Lord of the Rings and Army of Darkness. That's what it should feel like when you're playing the the, the game. Great. Yeah. Good. So I'm glad I understand the genre. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, I, I wish they had just pushed it a, a little bit further. And then I'm also, I'm a practical effects freak. Mm-hmm. You know, um, anytime I can get a practical effect or I spot that, it's one of the things I've really been enjoying about uh, the Mandalorian. Oh yeah, yeah is okay. uh, they've they have a ton. I mean, it's more expensive probably at this point, but they have a ton of puppets and um, practical effects and uh, makeup, and and you know they supplement with CGI, but they're not. It's not the whole deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really I go nuts for that stuff. And, and D- the D&D movie did not have any practical effects. It was very clear. <laughs> I'm, sure, yeah, so. I'm sure they were in front of a yeah. green screen the whole time, right? Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a shame. Well, I, and I, I realize, you know, you have to have a budget like, you know, the Mandalorian has, you know, however many tens of million dollars per episode. To well, and at the very least, I'm sure this D- Dungeons & Dragons film was way way better than the one they released in like 2000. Oh, there was one prior. Yeah. There was an attempt at this prior and, Mm -hmm. uh, I quote, uh, and I quote, uh, what Roger Ebert said about seek, uh, remakes. Cause Ebert said he was not against the idea of remakes. It's just that he believes Mm -hmm. they should only remake bad movies because those are the ones that actually need a second attempt. And yeah. the dragons, because that... Let their blood rain from the sky! Yeah, I would say, I would say the, yeah, the, the new D&D, it, wasn't, it certainly wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It was uh, maybe, like most movies that I watch these days, immediately forgettable. But that doesn't mean it was bad. That just means I'm not retaining information. Yeah, that, that means that if I watch it, I'm going to feel like I'm watching Citizen Kane. Because I remember the original, the, the one from the 2000. Trust me, Crystal. Like, it is so yeah. excruciatingly <laughs> bad. Who was Who was in the one from 2000? Who was the lead? Some, uh, some well... The the lead characters, I don't remember the. Uh, there's like three of them. I don't remember the one actor or the one actress's names, but I do remember that one of the Wayne's brothers mm-hmm. was the third. So that yeah, oh. 
And then, oh, okay. uh, but there was also some big names in it. Uh, both Jeremy Irons. With the dragon army at my command, I can crush the Empress and control what is right for Why did I think he was in it? Like now that you were talking about, I'm like, was Jeremy? I mean, Irons in it? just seems like a natural choice, movie? right? Uh, him yeah, and okay. Thora Birch, and yeah, Ooh, and this and what's now? Here's the thing. Huh. Uh, about that like if you watch this film those two actors it's like watching a uh, like jeremy irons is serves as an example of really bad overacting and thora birch mm-hmm. serves as an example of really bad underacting and so it's uh, and okay. when they have a scene together where they're debating it is uh-huh. like so bizarre to watch. It's over, Profian. The battle may be, Your Majesty. Maybe. But not the And it's just so interesting when you get these heavies and these and these just mm-hmm. shitty movies. Um, you know, it's like Dennis Hopper in the Super yes. Mario Brothers movie. And like, uh, who else am I thinking? I'm thinking of John Malkovich and uh, what was that movie? I want to say it was called Equilibrium. Oh, uh, uh, it was the one with Christian. Was Bale he in Equilibrium? And, um, wow. Okay. I I, I, I I've, so. I've only it's been you know like two. No, I'm no 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 no. I've mixed this up with another bad movie that we okay. didn't finish. But John Malkovich was definitely in it. But it was a Thomas Jane movie, wow. and it was yeah. like awful and we didn't finish it anyway but it's just like why are you here (laughs) you have to have better things to do you don't need a paycheck this bad do you but um anyways we should probably talk about unsolved mysteries because we're not going to solve the mystery of why dennis hopper was in the super mario brothers movie my six-year-old son at the time he's now 18 the time he said uh uh, Dad, I, I, uh, I think you're probably a pretty good actor, but why, why did you play that terrible guy, King Koopa, in the Super Mario Brothers? And I said, well, Henry, I, I did that so you could have shoes. And he said, Dad, I don't need shoes that bad. <laughs> Let's talk about UFOs in Mexico. Los UFOs, I believe, as it's said in Spanish. it's probably not that's probably not how that's said um i saw this segment come up in the beginning you know the teaser that we get at the beginning of every episode and i was like oh hell yeah Yeah. because after uh our last fiasco with having to record that afterlife episode ostensibly two times i was real done (laughs) with talking about that so uh so 1991 okay year is 1991 um there was a solar eclipse and uh everyone and it was the last one i guess of the 20th century total it's yeah a total solar eclipse we have solar we have solar eclipses like all the time but this was like a like a full one mm-hmm. um and uh, as you do you run outside and you stare directly at it <laughs> i i know of no other way to, to observe them <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's the whole cut the hole in the card and look. No, 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 no. You know, we're all out there. We're all just burning our retinas, staring right at the sun. And <laughs> I mean, I don't remember where I was on July 11th, 1991. <laughs> but um, I certainly remember the last total solar eclipse, which I believe was in 2017. And we, everyone at my work, definitely went downstairs to stare at it directly. Um, <laughs> actually, no, I think at this point we were looking okay. at it through our phones. Okay. I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone was being being that dumb, except the president at the time. <laughs> if you recall that, a uh, great moment in American history. Anyways, but we're talking about 1991, <laughs> Mexico City. So uh, a bunch of people noticed that there's some kind of weird m- metallic object, and so there was a guy, uh, Jaime Massan. He's a journalist. Who, uh, because because so many news outlets were filming the eclipse, right? Um, they noticed that there was this metallic object also in the sky, and Jaime got a like a pretty good shot of it uh, during the eclipse. Um, and Jaime is also a producer 
on Mexico's version of 60 Minutes, which Robert Stack is very keen to tell us is called uh, Sesente Minutas. I'm glad that you, you're the one who was (laughs) pronouncing that. Well, hold on. Hold on. Let me, let me uh, actually pronounce this correctly. No, I said it right. Sesente Minutas. My accent isn't great, but, but that's how you no, say that's, it. No, that's that's good. That, um, that's good. That's I, I better than really... me saying sixty-o minutes. So, yeah, that's definitely not how you say that. Sesenta <laughs> minutos. Anyway, um, so sixty minutes, which I thought it was very funny that Rob that like we need needed Robert Stack to say that. He he, de- he delivered it <laughs> for, for us. Um. So uh, this other guy, Guillermo Aragüin, he was also um, interviewed for the segment. He uh, saw the footage that Jaime had taken, and so they decided um, they decided to uh, put it on the show. Sesenta uh, minutos. Um, I'm wondering, did it go in the like Andy Rooney portion of the show? Oh man. There, I, I now like right near the mm. top of my wish list is to see a the the Mexican version of Andy Rooney talking about. Yeah, UFOs. do you remember what Andy Rooney always opened with? He always had a thing that he said. Do you remember what that was? Um, he, I didn't, I didn't realize he had an opening. Yeah, it's something like, like a regular. You ever think about how it's like something like that? He was oh, really oh, irritating. Some, some, yeah, it would have been something along those lines. <laughs> have you, have you ever? When when we're done with this podcast, yeah. you should go on YouTube and look up the Andy Rooney game. Okay. Uh, which is like people take Andy Rooney segments from sixty minutes, uh-huh. and what you do is you you take the first minute, uh, the first sentence he says, mm-hmm. and the last sentence he says, mm-hmm. and you cut out everything in between. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, like the the. The, the first sentence that he'll he'll give is like um, they'll they'll have him uh, say you know like this last week so and so one of the big uh, giants of television over the last fifty years passed mm-hmm. away and then like it immediately cuts to the last sentence he said we can do this show without him <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, they make it like like they they often make like. Andy Rooney just seemed like absolutely crazy. Our big election's coming up Tuesday. Under no circumstances will I congratulate that son of a bitch. I'm just wondering, how do you how do you position yourself uh, as a cultural commentator that exclusively bitches about things, right? Like, how do you get that job to just get someone to film that, you bitching about something? What a, I mean, what a sweet gig, I right? mean, I mean, that's a, Tucker Carlson's whole, de- was his whole deal, right? Him just bitching about <laughs> and stuff. That, and Andy Rooney only got to do it for five, like, I know, five he didn't get a primetime hour or whatever Tucker was getting. Yeah. Um, I say yeah. was, because his ass got fired. Anyway, let's talk about UFOs. So, <laughs> so the 60 right. minutes uh, segment, or uh, 60 minutos segment goes up, and thousands of people call uh called the hotline i guess they had set up and so to say they had a similar seen a similar object um they interview another guy eric aguilar he's a kid um who i guess they were some some miles away from where the 60 minutes crew was filming but they also saw they saw it from a rooftop because they were filming the eclipse right and he said his girlfriend was the first one to spot it and then um then eventually the whole crew saw it and they got, they got video of it, which we see. Um, and then uh, 60 miles away at the exact same time, a businessman, Louis Lara, videotaped the same object. Um, and we get to see all the footage of this, right? Uh, you can yeah. also see that whatever the object is, is casting a shadow. So it's, it's not a faraway object. It's in our atmosphere being hit yeah. by the sun. Um, and then 80 miles away in Puebla, Mexico, um, another family took a video, uh, they blew out the video though of that one to show that there was some kind of like wave-like disturbance behind the disc. Um, 
Dave and I were watching this at the same time, but he said that kind of just looked like video compression to him. Uh, because okay. none of these okay. are going to be high quality videos, right? First of all, whatever they're filming is far away. Second of all, we're talking about, you know, home Late camera video. 80s, early 90s. Yeah. yeah. Videotape, right? So um, you're, when you blow something out like that, that's not very high definition to begin with, I think you're probably going to see some similar compression. But needless to say, there is multiple videos from multiple locations of the same object, and they are nearly identical. Um, and then two months later, uh, there were folks filming a military air show. And again, the object is spotted. And then a year later, same air show, same UFO. Uh, and then, um, 1993, so the start of 91, we go 92, 93, same air show, same UFO shows up. And this time, um, as some, so there were, a squadron of helicopters flying by sort of as a reference point. Um, the disc was moving towards, towards the helicopters, not away from them at a very rapid pace. And um, I don't know how, cause it's really impossible to tell depth of field from this distance. I don't know how far away the disc was from the helicopters. Um, but because it was moving against the wind and at the pace that it was going, it was impossible that it could have been like a weather balloon. Um, so, and then just to further the case, uh, Unsolved Mysteries interviews a bunch of school children who did little drawings. In case all the video was not compelling enough, we have school children's <laughs> drawings. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they were just warming up just until we get these hard hitting. Right. It's like if <laughs> if all these videos didn't sell you, look what these kids drew. You know, it's like crayon drawings. <laughs> I was like, why are we including this? <laughs> it was very strange <laughs> choice. I thought, yeah, why not start I, uh... with that? Right, right. You, you, that, that would, because yeah, you'd, you'd want to start with the weaker evidence before really hitting with like, and we have video footage. Uh, but no, no, it, it's kind of like a strange ordering choice. I agree. Uh, yeah. So, and then one of the kids' names was Andrea Hamilton, and I don't mean to be racist or anything, but that was just sort of surprising considering she was a. I it was certainly not what I was expecting. Yeah. Uh, I just yeah. So anyway. Uh. <laughs> uh. So what do you think was happening here? I mean, I the the video evidence, and and it's so interesting to me because it. There were so many folks at so many different locations and angles that got pretty clear video. Video. Not not weird, blurry nighttime shots, daytime video of this. Yeah, daytime and over, video, yes. Over a number of years, too. It's not just that one eclipse day. That's just I think it, the eclipse day, because so many it was such a rare event, so many people had their cameras out already. Right. Right. You you had an you had a lot of people that that would have been able to catch it. Yes. Yeah. So I. What up with that? You think? Well, the 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 fact that it keeps showing up at that air show is a, mm -hmm. a little interesting. Um, I can't quite feel like if we were to say this was a secret, you know, aircraft or mm -hmm. something. It seems like it'd be an odd choice to. <laughs> To do your secret test in the middle of the day during an air show. <laughs> yeah, that would be a bit strange if, if it was a military craft, too. Um, I guess if you're aliens, um, I mean, I guess aliens would be interested in monitoring human flight technology. But I'm not I'm not really sure why helicopters in Mexico uh, are, are so high on their list. Uh-huh. I don't know what <laughs> I can't ex I can't explain this one. Yeah, I think this is this is a good old fashioned UFO sighting. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's what we're talking about here. And I think it, unlike know, other, I mean, I think we've had a couple of other compelling stories that were maybe more overblown than this. Like there was the one in England. Do you remember that? Right. It's a couple seasons ago. Um, there was mm -hmm. the one in Texas where the woman had the radiation burns. This, I think, is almost the most compelling because there isn't any other real story about it other than, like, thousands of people saw something in the sky at the same time. Yeah, exactly. 
and there's this is, uh, there's no ex you know the Mexican um, military isn't forthcoming with anything. Uh, obviously, our Department of Defense has released video within the last two years, uh, three years even. Right. I think I guess it was about three years ago now where they started the DoD started releasing footage of things uh, <clears throat> Air Force Navy pilots were seeing, and they opportune time <clears throat> just a. Dump it all off. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I mean, if we're at a point now where like our government is saying, well, we don't know, but here you go. You can look at it. I think people, I'm not saying they're prepared to lear- learn that like there, there's other sentient life in the uh, universe and it's been visiting Earth, but I think, uh, all things considered, I don't think people are going to panic about that when there's so much else to panic about. Yeah. I uh, don't, didn't you send me a graph or haven't we talked about it before of the number of UFO sightings versus like the rise of cell phone cameras and like UFO yes, we, sightings we, went way down when everyone got a camera camera in their pocket. Yes. And, and it's funny. Like, uh, yeah, we, we have discussed that. And at the end of the segment, Vincente Sanchez said like i think you know video mm-hmm. uh, is going to finally answer the question about these ufos and he was right he just didn't realize what he meant was video like everyone has a video right. recorder on their camera <laughs> right yeah i mean he there, um, there's no way he could have uh anticipated that yeah. in 1993 or 4 right but um, yes, yes. But that is but, interesting, right? Here, everyone has this cam, this video camera in their pocket, and we're not, we're just not having the UFO sightings anymore. Yeah, the number of sightings decrease with yeah. the increase in the number of uh, yeah cameras. You, I now what I hold on. Okay, is that because we're all just looking down at our phones, man? We're not looking at the skies anymore. Well, that's a fair point. Especially when teenagers are, <laughs> we're talking about teenagers. Um, what what I found amusing is you notice if you notice at the opening of this segment, Robert Stack's little introduction says like, whenever we hear about someone who claims to have seen a UFO, we all react by smiling and shaking our heads. Yeah. Uh, which I mean, okay, uh, I, yeah, is probably a, my initial instinct, but I don't really get why unsolved mysteries is suddenly taking this editorial line, <laughs> considering that. Yeah, considering, considering all the other, the past, yeah, all the other bullshit, including the last episode they aired. All yeah, all the previous seasons where they've been like, "Yep, this is real." Yeah, <laughs> it's it's interesting that. I mean, that probably reflects a cultural trend at the time where, you know, in the 80s and 90s, there was satanic panic. There's a lot of we're coming off a lot of new agey stuff about psychic powers and the afterlife. Um, And ultimately, I think all of that stuff kind of doubles down on sort of a you know, Judeo-Christian worldview, right? There is an afterlife. There is a God. This is, uh, it is more culturally acceptable to entertain these ideas. Whereas in the early nineties, um, people who saw UFOs were crazy. Right. Right. But, but the thing is there, UFO. I am not saying they're aliens. I'm not taking that stance, but UFOs are real. It's irrefutable. There is evidence of this. Like, there, there are things, unidentified objects in the sky. Yeah. They exist. W- what they are is right. up for, you know, question, but and they're I, there. I kind of love that no one in this particular segment even tried to speculate. <laughs> they were just like, yeah. we just saw something, right? And it was interesting. Yeah. It's really neat. Yeah. Yeah, it was just basically like, yeah, I'm going to go to that air show because I'll see something flying around. I'll see a little extra show I, I, at the air show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's been, um, if it's still been, you know, how many years did it come back for at the air show? Yeah, it seems like, um, it seems like I, if it was an ongoing thing, I, surely we would be 
hearing more about it. I don't know. Maybe it just got to be so like banal that no one talks about it anymore. It's just sort of like it, like on the list of all the the things things at the air show. There's just like at the bottom, (laughs) there's just a hastily added in like and the mystery object. (laughs) Right. Well, okay, we've um we've solved the mystery of UFOs once and for all. Yep. We won't be returning to that. I don't think ever. I, 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 I very much doubt it. Um, instead, uh, do we want to do do we want to discuss what is basically the unsolved mysteries equivalent of that meme of spider two Spider Mans yeah. pointing at each other accusingly? Why not? I mean, <laughs> or, do I want to talk about it? Not really, but it was part of the episode, so I will. <laughs> okay. So this segment it opens opens up describing the murder of a man named Sammy Wheeler. Uh, they show he was like basically gunned down in his car. It was interesting because they also described that someone had like tried to shove a rag into his gas tank and yeah. light it or yeah. something, but it didn't it didn't it didn't work. But this uh, this investigation leads us into. Uh, a very convoluted situation, as Robert Stack points out, because we have um, we have Sammy's brother, Danny, twin brother, right? I believe so. Twin, yeah. yeah. His <clears throat> his girlfriend Pat, and Pat's ex husband Bob, uh, Bob Bean. So these three individuals, we will come to find out, are all accusing each other of being the murderer. Right. <laughs> um, now, I have to admit, because the first person in the interview is Bob Bean. Right? Mm-hmm. He is just kind of seething with a quiet rage that immediately made me think he did it. Right, right. He does, like... So he I, was, I, I, was, th- I was team uh, Danny and Pat... And I thought Bob did it. I just want to be real clear. Yeah, yeah, it's because you're you're right. I mean, it's best described as a seething rage. He seems very upset, and it's odd because they don't, well they don't go into the exact details. So I had to kind of just sort of infer what what was going on because mm-hmm. he was upset because Pat and Sammy Mm -hmm. were living in like, it was a house that was turned into two apartments. That's right. And they were living, living in one. Yeah. And Danny was living, uh, the Sammy's twin brother, Danny was living in the other. Correct. And, uh, so Pat and Sammy are living with, uh, like two, two sons that Pat has with, uh, Bob. Mm -hmm. And, Apparently Bob was really upset about this arrangement and like really made a stink about it to the point where like Sammy had to move out of the apartment with Pat and move in with Danny Mm -hmm. and or sometimes be living in sleeping in the car outside. I guess. Um, Now, I I mean, yeah, I just what I was I they didn't really explain precisely what Bob was incensed about because. I mean, because was it like some? He was a. I I I like it. On the one hand, I was like, was there something that he was worried about in regards with Sammy vis-a-vis the boys? Yeah. Um. That that would have that was kind of the first thing that that occurred to me. Uh. Then, because <clears throat> like I mean, it would just be weird to be like, well, well, I think it's unnatural for for. Uh, for my ex-wife to be living with a guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's, I mean, even, I, I don't know if this particular municipality look has laws against that or whatnot, but yeah, it, it was just like, there's a lot of stuff unsaid, including yeah. by Bob who repeatedly is like, I'm not going to say anything. I'll just, right. yeah, you know, but Bob was wink. basically like, look, I had no problem with Sammy as a person. And also, yeah. Pat, I didn't want her anyway. And in fact, I had a meeting with Sammy and be like, yo, this is what you're getting into. Which <laughs> right, I right. was like, doth protest too much, Bob. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, we have a situation where Bob, like, I guess his, uh, his son from a previous marriage was like taking pictures of, of Sammy every mm-hmm. time he left the house, I guess to get evidence that like he was actually still living with, yeah. with Pat. Um, this, uh, you know, it, it was just, a, a yeah. And then like, I guess Bob's alibi was he was in what, National Guard or something. So he was at the National Guard, mm-hmm. you know, uh, weekend when the murder happened. He mm-hmm. couldn't physically have been there. Mm-hmm. Now, Sammy's brother, Danny, believes that Bob took the had the pictures that was taken of Sammy and gave, gave them to a professional hitman. Interesting. Yeah. Um, now, this is where things get odd, because then Bob... Like, sort of, he starts dropping the insinuation that Danny was the one who right. had Sammy killed. Yeah. It's like, And then Pat jumps yeah. in to be like, well, Danny did tell my friend that he wanted to be with me and all this other stuff. And then, I, and then it's cut back to Danny who says, like, look, she was basically like a sister to me. And then there's like a long pause. And Danny says... I really just didn't find her attractive anyway. And I'm like, this is a, like, this is like a real fuck you Pat episode. Because right. Bob is like, look, I didn't want her anyway, but I did want another man to know exactly what he was getting into. And then we have Danny over here saying like, I never saw what Sammy saw in her anyway. And she's not attractive and she's an ugly hoe. And it's just like, whoa, <laughs> they're just, they just like both these guys, like who are accusing each other of being murderers are simultaneously dunking on Pat. Yeah. But Pat yeah. is obviously a pot stirrer. Cause if she's saying right. her friend said that Danny told her, her friend that Danny wanted to be with Pat and all this, this, that, and the other thing, that was a lie. That was a lie. And I knew it as soon as I heard it, that was all a lie. Yeah. So and, Pat's and- trying to play, play, play off, uh, you know, Danny and Bob against each other as the suspects, right? And Bob, yes, and and Bob, there was this whole thing about like the, his his boys when they were visiting him, telling him about like the murder and like yeah, like the suggestion was that like Pat was like the mm-hmm. one who killed him, right? And. It's just like there, there is a there is a, a level of accusation from each of these uh, three, to some degree or another, against the other two, right? And it is, it is so. I mean, it was confusing, but I was kind of interested in it. Yeah, I mean, it was very, it was very Jerry Springer esque. That's of. what I was thinking. Yeah. This is yes. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like, like yeah, because in their their interviews, they're like, you know, uh, Danny's like, oh yeah, absolutely did it. Like, I mean, Danny looked like he was about to spring out of his chair. Mm-hmm. Um, I also I also caught uh, Danny like, I think it was Danny it was like, oh yeah, he said, you know, he, Bob says he didn't do it. Uh, uh. Yeah, and I'm Michael Jordan who used to play for the Chicago Bulls. Yeah. And, and uh, what was interesting there was he says used to play for the Chicago Bulls, so and and this episode was from the mid nineties, nineteen ninety four. So yeah, ninety four. So yeah, so this was taking place after Jordan had his first retirement exactly. from basketball after mm-hmm. his father. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is taking care taking place in a very specific period of time with the first retirement before he returns. Right. So yes. Wins another yeah. three championships. Yeah. He wasn't done. Watch the, watch, watch the last dance on yeah. Netflix. Also like full story. You, I mean, I don't want to get into the whole LeBron James thing. He plays for the Lakers now. I don't know even know what to say about that, but I remember the comparisons were being made very early. Mm-hmm. Him and Michael Jordan, and it right. was like, yeah, why don't you calm down with that? But I don't know, man has a lot of rings now, so I can't hate. All right, but this is not a basketball yeah. podcast. <laughs> this is an unsolved <laughs> mysteries podcast. We're talking. This is B ball with Ro- <laughs> Robbie I think we, and Crystal. I think it would be a lot of fun because you and I are like kind of low key basketball fans. 
We're very low key, and we have you have your t- you have right. your team. Um, mm-hmm. I I have no real loyalty to a team, but I I definitely um got interested in basketball NBA basketball um during the Kobe yeah. Bryant uh, championship years of the oh. Lakers. So I do I do have some feelings about the okay. Lakers, but I've, I've had fun going to a Clippers game. I'll root for them. I just want the best team to yeah. win. I will tell you this right now, though. Uh, fuck the Heat. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Strong feelings coming yeah. on about the yeah. Heat. Dislike. Uh, <laughs> do, do, do you... Do you want to elaborate? I don't or think do I need you to. Just leave that a mystery. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, sounds to me like somebody had money on the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> a co- a coincidentally, I actually um, the 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 Nuggets are the ones who ruined my betting really? line. Back, uh, yeah, back in March. Oh, really? Or, no, maybe it was. March, I went into a sports book. Really? And like the you the Lakers, just have you have yeah. multi you contain multitudes, Robbie. I I never know with you, but please continue. Well, I bear in mind I've never I never I never put money down on a a, a game mm-hmm. or any sports thing uh-huh. before, and I didn't I don't really intend to uh, from this point on. It's just I sense a potential opportunity yeah. because it was like. It was in the aftermath of when they traded away Russell okay. Westbrook and they got all these young players and I was noticing like, holy crap, the, like this trade, like this team's actually good now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, LeBron James came back from an injury and was still looking like LeBron James and Anthony Davis was, was mm-hmm. playing, you know, having like 30 point 20 mm-hmm. rebound games. And, was, and the thing is, is like the sports yeah, the odds makers they hadn't quite caught up to that to that realization mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, so I sensed an opportunity. Like, I went in and they still had the Lakers as like twenty two to one odds for the championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was like, okay, I'm putting a hundred dollars down on the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, <laughs> I mean, they got they made it to the to the Western Conference right. Finals. So, uh, uh, I mean, uh, I wasn't counting on the, anyway, uh, we we were, we've been listening to (laughs) B-Ball talk with Robbie and Crystal, Well, let's, let's move on to, uh, uh, yeah. So who do you think did it? Well, I, if you have to pick from the three. Oh, if I, if I had to pick, cause that, that, that was the thing was like, I feel like unsolved mysteries, they kind of made. It kind of gave a hint to the audience because they interview. I can't remember. Like he, he was an investigator uh-huh. or something. I don't remember he was FBI uh-huh. or what. But like at the end, they they're talking with like one of the invest people investigating the case, and he's like, "Well, um, all three of them have alibis, and they've all done a polygraph." And right now, we don't suspect any of them any more than anyone else yeah, in this case. That was really telegraphing the end of the segment, wasn't it? <laughs> I f- I feel like yeah, I feel like that was unsolved mysteries. Like you know, they're all kind of just nutty. Uh, if I had to have guessed, um, I mean Bob with his sort of like that quiet rage. I was like, mm-hmm. I just sense. I just sensed that he was the uh, he would have been the one I would have put my money down on. But I guess much like putting my money down on the Lakers, it, it was not it did not hit because we get an update. And what do you know? Some rando guy yeah. who's not any of these three people committed yeah, the murder. It, was, it sounded like the murder itself. I'm looking at the way he was just a, just a totally random act of violence. Yeah, he just Sammy was in the wrong nope. place at the wrong time, I guess. So, so, so all three of those people are innocent. Yeah, well, of, of the murder. murder. <laughs> uh, yes. Probably guilty of being terrible people, but. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder what happened after Pat saw the segment and she saw what they said about her. I mean, come on. 
Oh man, that was, that had been rough. But she she's, she's getting attacked from both but she, sides. But you know, you know, Pat was just drama. She was just drama anyway. So oh yeah. yeah. Um, oh, okay. Well, so the so the like bulk of this episode was actually at the end. It was the last segment, and I believe this was a this yeah. wasn't a lost loves. It was a missing persons, right? I okay. believe so, yes. So, um, you know, when they teased this uh, segment at the beginning, they just said that uh, Gordon Page had left a group. He, he had been misdiagnosed for years, was finally diagnosed with autism and put in a group home. And um, now the par- and now his parents are looking for their kid. And I was just like, well, maybe they shouldn't have abandoned him in a group home. But then I, boy, once we got into the segment, I real, I feel like a real asshole <laughs> for having that thought. Because <laughs> um, yeah. it turns out Gordon Page Jr. and or a senior and his wife Linda are incredibly dedicated and loving parents, and um, they they certainly tried to make the best of it for their for their son gordon page jr um i was confused because unsolved mysteries loves to leave out details i don't know how this would have changed the story any but they they also so gordon page jr was the eldest of a few sons that they had they had other children that kind of just was glazed over completely here yeah well i mean they I, i think they they were the younger sons, right? Yeah. So they came after and yeah. yeah. So um, look, basically the bulk of this segment is about raising a child with some developmental disabilities. Um, and, and not, and not knowing yeah. precisely what those yeah. are yeah. At, at that point. Uh, yeah. So we, we found, I'm just going to fast forward through a lot of stuff because I don't, you know, they just kind of knew something was a little bit off about their kid. And, and by high school, it was really apparent because he just was not um, engaging in the same acti- activities. He wasn't at the level uh, with other kids as far as, you know, reading, writing, math, all that sort of thing. Oh, sorry. My <laughs> my uh, earpiece just fell out. Um, Anyway, so he gets oh, a job. Wow. So Gordon Jr. gets a job at a grocery store and he's super excited about it. And like, I almost started crying at this point because the first day of work, the dad drops him off. And he is so proud that I'm sorry, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm going to cry. Oh, this no. is like, it was just such a nice thing. He says he drops the kid off. Well, he's not a kid anymore. He's like 19 years old, 20 years old. Drops him off at the grocery store for his yeah. first day of work, and then he goes and he hides, so he can watch he can watch his son work at his first job. And I was yeah. just like, I am such an asshole for thinking these parents just like dumped him in a group home <laughs> when they were like the most supportive people on earth. <laughs> you know? Right? Like they they talk about like they they interview the mom, and the mom's like, my son doesn't. We're his family. We should be the ones who. Who he's right, living with, yeah. and, and it's like, wow, yeah, these are these were these were not no, cold. They weren't, uh, and it was it was only once uh, Gordon Jr. was ostensibly an adult that they meet with social workers, and the social workers are like, hey, you know, you guys are gonna die someday, so yeah, and then who's who's gonna take care of your yeah, kid then? and uh, Gordon and Linda, Gordon Senior and Linda, yeah, like under much duress, finally decide that maybe uh gordon jr should go to live in a more in an environment that's maybe a little bit more set up to take care of uh and and socialize uh folks with these developmental disabilities but again we don't know what it is he has no diagnosis right so they take so in order to get him this is just fucking criminal but in order to get him in the group home they have to have him evaluated to make sure he's stable because at this point they're thinking is he schizophrenic or what's going on and they go to a doctor and the doctor says okay yeah let's put him on valium and what was it ritalin and i I think that was the combo when i heard this look i am not a doctor 
But I know one of those things is an upper and another thing is a downer. And then there's this tragic scene with the in the reenactment where poor Gordon Jr. is like naked in the bathtub in the middle of the night screaming about how he feels like cats were clawing at his brain. And I'm like, I think if anyone was taking a combo of Ritalin and Valium, we would probably all feel that way. I don't yeah. think I would feel I don't think I would feel really great at taking an upper like Ritalin and then being trapped in my own body with a tranquilizer like Valium. I feel like that's a kind of torture. And I don't know what kind of quack doctor they went and saw, but whatever. So then they call the doctor and the doctor's like, no, it's normal, he'll get used to it. And then they were like, our son is being tortured. This is awful. Um so yeah. anyway, uh, eventually Gordon Jr. does get moved to the group home and then the family moves to Florida. Bye, I guess. Because <laughs> this was in Michigan. And then the family is just like, well, we're going to go to Florida. Uh, peace out. You know, but at this point, Gordon Jr. is like 22 or 23 years old. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. Gordon eventually escapes from the group home he steals a truck um he doesn't know how to drive so he just crashes into a bunch of stuff i i mean if if he had no previous driving experience at least how it's depicted on unsolved mysteries i would be kind of you know somewhat impressed by how how well (laughs) how he did i mean you got you got you got a few blocks away Uh, yeah um he is picked up at an elementary school attempting to teach a class nearby after the accident, which is kind of cute. I don't know. No one was, yeah, no yeah. one was harmed in the accident, uh, I guess. Um, but at that point, um, uh, Gordon senior goes back to Michigan to just check in and Gordon junior definitely doesn't want to be in the home anymore. And Gordon senior just, you know, he says against his better judgment, just drives away Four days later, Gordon Jr. escapes the group home again. And that was the last time anyone mm-hmm. ever saw him. So, yeah. Um, there's, I was really had fingers crossed for an update here. Oh, <laughs> we yeah. only get sort of some sad piano music and a sketch of what. Gordon yeah. might look like yeah today. and um anyway so no update there at all yeah um yeah I don't know I mean I don't know what the answer was here I I think his parents probably if they could do it again probably wouldn't have left him after that accident probably right. would have taken him home if they had to do it over again um but yeah yeah this this is i mean it's it, it is interesting to see that sort of um because uh, it takes the the one guy after the accident spending months like um working with gordon be like hey i think this kid is actually autistic right. he finally gets a diagnosis after the car accident yeah right right and, and I, you know i guess it's part of that like because it was Autism was still still sort of a thing that wasn't. Um, I mean, people really knew much right. about like even like I mean when the movie Rain Man came yeah. out, I think that was like this the introduction to the idea to a lot of people who just didn't yeah. even. Yeah, know. and that's one of the so, things they yeah. mentioned too is that um, Gordon uh, Jr. had a hard time uh, retaining information, but he was like an absolute savant when it came to baseball facts. And players and statistics right, and all right. that it, sort of thing, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I think Gordon probably would have uh, probably made better choices on who to bet for <laughs> than, than I did. <laughs> but um, <laughs> he would have been like, he would have been looking at Jokic's uh, uh, stat lines, and, you know, like, like, oh gosh. Anyway, but yeah, it's um, unless unless. Uh, Gordon was picked up by that that truck driver who picked up the amnesia right. <laughs> early yeah. on in the first season. Uh, and for, unfortunately, I don't think this has a super. Happy, I don't think it does yeah. either, which is a shame, you know, yeah. because yeah. Um, yeah. 
I think. Because these parents clearly do love yeah, their kid. Yeah, they really did want their kid back and <laughs> regret leaving him in a group home. Uh, but on the bright side, um, did you recognize the actor in the reenactment playing Gordon Page Jr.? Oh my God, no! And this is one where you got me. You I, got you. You have me at a disadvantage. Look, I Crystal. didn't recognize him either, and I think I know why. Because the actor playing Gordon Page Jr. was Doug Jones. No. Yes. But no one actually knows what Doug Jones looked like because he's basically like an Andy Circus dude. <laughs> and he's always covered in massive amounts of latex and, and makeup. Mask. So yeah. I case yeah, if you if you guys don't immediately know who Doug Jones is, um he's currently playing Sar Saru on um Star Trek Discovery. Um, he played oh, yeah, the yeah. Uh, the monster. I don't remember what they called it in the movie from The Shape of Water. Yeah. Um, so he's he's usually someone who's doing a lot of like physicality, and he's usually covered in just tons and tons of makeup, and that's why we would have never recognized him. But yeah, he's actually pretty. I I I feel ashamed. I feel ashamed now because I should have recognized him because he gave a very you know the the physicality of his performance yeah. was noticeable i should have been like wow the the you know the because i did kind of like i i did think that like the the reenactor they got like wow this isn't just some guy you know like this this person's really putting in some effort right. i didn't realize it's because it's, doug, it's jones. doug jones it's doug jones I, it's not quite mcconaughey level you know but or, he was also um, in Hellboy. I think that's worth mentioning as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but he's usually yeah. covered. I, I, I was. Covered I was waiting for you to, to, stuff, to mention. You know. Yes. Uh, yes. Um. Yeah, I'm wondering. Has was he uh, nominated for an Academy Award for Shape of Water or no? Shape of Water. Uh, I I don't know for certain. Um. And you. He was not okay. <laughs> I don't know. He didn't have any lines you know, or anything in that movie. But. He'll get. He'll get. He'll get. A, he'll get. A, he'll get. The, he'll get. He'll get a nomination yeah. someday. He will. I'm when sure. we can. Yeah. See. When there's. He he should get the award for doing the most and the most amount of latex. Yeah. So I thought that was fun. A little bright point. In other words, completely mm -hmm. uh, depressing segment at the end of this episode <laughs> so if you were really bummed out by this segment let us know by sending us an email we can, we can grieve together yeah uh yeah reenacted pot at gmail yeah and then um patreon we've got one dollar tier or five dollar tier um be sure to uh be sure to uh follow us on all the social media twitter facebook I'll, I'll I'll update the Facebook page someday. Yeah, maybe. I mean, but just like honestly, if you and and thank you, Willie, who has been checking in with us. Um, love emails from our friend Willie down in Mississippi. Um, if you really want us to see something or you want to chat with us, I think email is probably the best way to go these days. Because mm. Robbie, uh, Twitter's kind of dead to me and i'm not on facebook and both of us aren't super yeah, great you're... about being on social but i i get notifications if you send us an email and i always share them with robbie uh, email so i see that's probably S the best send, way send in those send emails us an, send yeah. fire up the old macintosh <laughs> shoot off <laughs> you know put it put the letter in the tube uh, the web tube and send it off to us um also robbie you still need a new chair correct oh yeah i well i was going to get around to it it's just um uh last week i had some automotive motive okay that's right yeah uh, was it, so yeah. you're not sitting on a bucket right now correct no no i just uh, there was a sort of um uh work little uh, not desk a little work thing that you can put a laptop on that i had like given to my mm -hmm. roommate uh, cause so that, cause he has a, he has a laptop that he would use for work mm -hmm. a lot. And I didn't, I didn't really need one cause I had a desk in my mm -hmm. room. So I'm just 
using it for the moment. Okay. And I'm just sitting on my bed, on my bed with my two kitties. Well, that's nice. But uh, if you yeah. want to help Robbie get a new chair, patreon.com slash reenactedbod. Um, Robbie's not very good about um, getting things for himself, but he is very good about getting things for other people. So if you're on the $5 tier, you're very likely to get a little prezzy from time to time from Robbie because, um, you know, he, he should be spending that money on a new chair, but <laughs> <laughs> he'd rather buy you presents. Yeah. Uh, Robbie, do you want to do the thing? Join us in two weeks for a two-hour-long edition of Unsolved Mysteries.